0: Welcome to Doctor Who's 50 and 50, episode 41. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. Today's podcast actually turns out to be a bit of a double header. When we were originally doing these, we had them planned based on the reader poll results on Bureau 42. And one of the stories that pulled very well for the Peter Davison era and for the Cybermen was Earthshock. Now that had been out of print, so I recorded a podcast discussing time flight instead. After that was recorded they announced that Earthshock was coming back into print as part of the Doctor's revisited Fifth Through Eight collections. And I was able to pick that up and watch Earthshock in time to record this podcast. Rather than throw away the Time Flight podcast that we had, they are both going to be included here. So Earthshock was story one hundred and twenty two. It was the second last serial from season nineteen. So it ran because we were running twice a week, it ran through early May of that year. And it is fairly easy to see why it was voted so strongly by our readers. So this was Adric's last serial. It kicks off with Adric having a somewhat typical of teenager, you don't appreciate me, you don't recognize my skills kind of tantrum, which he does work his way through. And it needs a little bit of help from both Tegan and Nissa to get him and the doctor Reconciled enough to go through the story. They find themselves underground and, you know, they encounter some fossils that the doctor explains to them. And he says he's always been meaning to go back and check out the extinction event that got rid of the dinosaurs and paved the way for humans, but he hasn't gotten around to it yet. And they encounter a group of human miners underground as well, but these miners are constantly under attack. So the doctor volunteers to help. They start working together and they eventually learn that they're being attacked by Cybermen. And the Cybermen's plan is to use some of the resources they have here to send a vessel back in time millions of years and make the earth uninhabitable before humans ever evolved on this planet so that they would be able to take over the Earth in the future without any resistance. And this does end up being a very nice showcase of Adric in particular as he's going through and as the Doctor goes through when they're trying to stop this plan. Things go a little bit awry when the ship is going back in time. Uh, the Doctor, Tegan, and Nyssa are following it in the TARDIS while Adric's on board trying to solve the mathematical puzzles that it takes to break through the encryption. So we do get a very nice showcase of his mathematical skills and how they can come into play in that particular case. We get a sense of his heroism as Adric is willing to put his life on the line in a ship that's crashing, and he doesn't evacuate, he keeps trying to save the ship. We get a little bit of irony when we understand that the ship needs to crash, and the ship actually will be the source of the extinction event that paves the way for human beings, and then if Adric saves the ship, the dinosaurs don't get wiped out. So as it turns out in the long term, So as it turns out in the long term, the Cybermen's plan to wipe out life on Earth before humanity comes about actually sparks off the events that lead to the development and evolution of humanity in the first place. Unfortunately, they're unable to get that information through to Adric who stays on board trying to stop the crash, and looks like the main reason he fails is because a Cyberman comes in and blasts the control to make sure this thing crashes before he can enter the solution to the final puzzle, which he believes he's just worked out, and he does somewhat lament the fact that he can't test that solution. So this is a very good Cyberman story and a very good Adric story. It showcases the Doctor nicely, and it does have an impact on the ongoing serials. It's also one of the rare occasions that a companion leaves the doctor through death that hadn't happened since the Hartnell era. So it is a very easy one to recommend in general. Now, I have a hard time recommending it on the Doctor's Revisited DVD simply because of the visual formatting. With that DVD release, they decided to render it in a 16x9 frame, even though it's only a 4x3 picture. So rather than do it just by trimming off the top and bottom or by doing the uniform expansion that you get if you watch a 4x3 image and just tell it to expand it to the 16x9 on most TVs, they seem to have trimmed only small amounts from the top and bottom and used a non-linear expansion on the side. I've heard of this before. It works well when you've got a lot of single lead shows. So your focus is front and center on the screen the whole time. Doctor Who is so conversational. Yeah, the sections in the middles aren't distorted much. So the odd time you get one person in the middle, it looks okay. But So much of it is spent with people on both sides of the screen talking to each other, and they've got this non-uniform expansion, so the things on the sides are expanded more than they otherwise would be, and it's not even, so if they take a step forward, they get skinnier. Personally, that drives me up the wall. I'm a firm believer in watching things only in the original intended aspect ratio. And this is, it's a method that's been used, and in some cases it does make the expansion less obvious than in others, but I'd rather just get the original aspect ratio and deal with it that way, to the point where I'm hoping it does get re-released as a standalone release, and I will pick up that copy instead. So I can recommend The Doctors Revisited or the little 20-30 minute retrospectives on the Doctors themselves before the stories, but the visual distortion in the stories themselves drives me up the wall. Anyway, that's what we have to say about Earthshock. Stay tuned as we bring up the original podcast recorded for this, dealing with time flight. Welcome to Doctor Who 50 in 50, episode 41. Today we're talking about Time Flight, which is story 123. The intention with these podcasts was to pick the stories and characters and villains that were selected by our readers in the various polls. If we were able to strictly adhere to that, this podcast would have been about Earthshock instead. Unfortunately, Earthshock was last published in two thousand four. It has been discontinued and I was unable to get a copy of it. That was story one hundred and twenty two. So instead we've decided to substitute story number one hundred and twenty three here, which was the one immediately following. This was the four parter that ended season 19, ran from March 22nd to March 30th, 1982. With Peter Davison as the Doctor in season 19, they had actually moved the series from Saturday nights and were trying different weeknights. At this point, they were actually running twice a week in the 25-minute or half-hour segments. So these four parts aired on March 22nd, 23rd, 29th, and 30th, 1982. As mentioned, Peter Davison is the Doctor. The companions here are Nissa and Tegan Jovanka. So Adric, going by the dialogue, than this one, apparently dies in a noble sacrifice at the end of Earthshock. And that's a big part of this one, is kicking off mourning the loss of the companion. Now, the villains they deal with are the Master and Plasmatons, although the Master's presence isn't immediately known. The basic plot is that uh, Concord goes through a rip in time and disappears on the way to Heathrow. Meanwhile, the Doctor is attempting yet again to get Tegan back to Heathrow after she joined up with him. Once he arrives in Heathrow, he is recruited to help and ends up taking the TARDIS and his companions in another Concord on the same flight path. They also end up going 140 million years in the past, and now when they get there, Things are much colder, but the crew don't immediately realize what's going on, because they are subjected to a hallucination that makes them think they've landed in Heathrow. They find the crew of the other missing aircraft, and all but one of them are suffering the same hallucination, and they've actually been tricked into slave labor. At first, the only known villains are really the Plasmatons, although they do eventually discover that their leader is not actually Khalid, it is the Master. And as is typical with Doctor Who, it then becomes a battle of the minds and the wits rather than a battle of the fists as the Doctor and Master try to outwit each other. And the Doctor wins with some accidental help from the Concorde's flight crew. So The major weakness I find with this story are the plasmatons themselves. Now, it is interesting to have the hive mentality as the one giant organism, although that had previously happened in the claws of Axos. What we do find is that these plasmatons are simply too cheap-looking to really work on screen, and because of the special effects involved in the way they were working, we get some disjointed pieces where a lot of the effects were done through double exposure, and things don't necessarily line up the way they should. Poses as they cut from one set of footage to another aren't as consistent as they should be, and it does detract from the overall episode. The elements that work very well are largely the dialogue with some great manter. For example, when the TARDIS materializes in Heathrow, security comes up to see him and they say, are you responsible for this box here? The Doctor's response is, well, I try to be. When they go back 140 million years and it's biting cold, he comments that it's times like this that he wishes he still had his scarf, which is, of course, a nod to the Tom Baker era. There is a lot of good banter and repartee in this one. It also ends very nicely. As I said, the Doctor's been trying for a while to get Tegan back to Heathrow. But we see some conversation between Tegan and Nyssa here, where Tegan is thinking she doesn't necessarily want to go back, and she wants to keep continuing. That's a conversation she has with Nissa, though, and not the Doctor. So when they're back in Heathrow, the Doctor and Nissa get it all wrapped up, they take off and leave, and leave Tegan behind. And the officers at Heathrow say, Oh, we thought you were going with them. Tegan's response was... So did I, or I did too, something along those lines. So the season-ending cliffhanger is, will Tegan still be a companion? Now, the actress and production crew knew that she was already signed and they were bringing her back, and they had already plans in place for exactly how to do that. But it did leave it as an open question for the fans to keep them going from season to season. So it was a a nice touch on the cliffhanger. It also shows a lot of the differences between TV scheduling in Britain as opposed to North America. I can't imagine a lot of North American shows kicking off early January and having their season finale at the end of March. Too much is driven by the sweeps here, which happen in November, March, and May. They try to wrap things around that and schedule them accordingly. But in any event, it's not a perfect episode. As I said, a lot of what we see in terms of the villains and the way they're working together and the way the special effects are implemented are pretty limiting. The one scientist who's able to resist hallucination starts off as an interesting character and then falls into every bad scientist cliche by the time it's done. But again, what does work well is a lot of the dialogue particularly in that first part, that first episode of the four. So that much is enjoyable if you go in looking for that end. It gives a pretty nice showcase of the Peter Davison Doctor's personality as he lasts through his three full seasons, or almost full these seasons. That's basically what we have to say about Time Flight. Join us again tomorrow when we discuss the original 20th anniversary special, The Five Doctors. Thank you for listening.